Paul, Silas, and Timothy, to the Church of the Thessalonians in God, the Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace and peace to you. We always thank God for all of you and continually mention you in our prayers. We remember before, your, before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor promoted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope of our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that he has chosen you, because our gospel became, came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit and deep conviction. You know how we lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of us and of the Lord. For you welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering, with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. And so you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. The Lord's message rang out from you not only in Macedonia and Achaia, for faith in God has become known everywhere. Therefore, we do not need to say anything about it, for they themselves report what kind of reception you gave us. They tell how you uh, turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God, and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead. Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. Uh, let's pray together as we come to hear from God through his word. Uh, our Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your powerful word, for the way that we um, yeah, read uh, about the way it came to uh, uh, Thessalonica so many years ago and, and, um, and so powerfully changed people's lives. We pray that that would happen for us today as well. As we hear your word, may your spirit please uh, help us to hear and to believe uh, and to respond. Uh, give us hearts which are soft towards you and willing um, to, to hear you as our, as our Lord and as our God. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, well, thank you so much for this opportunity to share with you this morning. Uh, it's a real privilege uh, to, to open the Scriptures together, uh, as well as to meet many of you. Um, I've been visiting a few different uh, churches over the last month, and it's just a, it's a joy to meet people, um, new people, as well as to reconnect with some, as I look around the room, some familiar faces as well. Um, the passage we have today is the opening prayer and commendation of the Thessalonian church, and I've chosen it because... I think it's one of those passages which can help us to uh, keep focused on the things that God really cares about. We often see Paul, as he opens his letters, say that, I pray for you, the, the congregation or the, the group of people that he's writing to. He often says, I pray, and then goes on to actually teach very helpfully what it is that he prays for them. And so, as he does this, it becomes a teaching moment and a focusing moment that helps his original hearers and us remember what really matters to God. And so, in this particular prayer that he, he, give, he prays for the Thessalonians, uh, as he prays, he helps us to understand what is on God's agenda, what's on his list of priorities, what's on God's schedule, so to speak. Now, that's very helpful, I want to suggest, because if God is the boss... And I'm just going to run with that. You may or may not uh, believe that yourself, but I'm going to assume that if God's the boss, then knowing what he really cares about and knowing what is on his agenda 
can give us a sense of clarity and purpose about the way we should go about life in His service, in all of the different ways that we do. So that's how I want to begin today, by thinking a little bit about the boss's schedule and agenda, as well as our own and how those two things go together. So on your handouts, which um, I think you have an outline uh, in your leaflets, the first uh, place we want to come to to this morning is to think about the boss's schedule and agenda. Uh, Now the reason for for choosing that particular language um, is not hopefully just because it's helpful, but also because if you've been part of church here for a while, Uh, you'll know uh, Jeff as the one who would usually be speaking about university ministry. For a very long time, he's been the uni pastor. Now that's Nick, and and he's sort of doing what Jeff did in that regard. I'm doing what Jeff did in regard to caring for staff and thinking about uni ministry across our region in South Australia and the Northern Territory. Um, So that's been a big change for me. There's been lots that's been really enjoyable, new challenges, different opportunities, but it's definitely been a year for myself where I've been thinking a lot about schedules and agendas and priorities and these kinds of things. Many of us, I I trust, will have gone through big changes in circumstances at different points in your life. If somehow you've made it this far and never had to do that, well, I'm sure it will come. And uh, just think of things like a change in work situation or change in life stage, you maybe move from school to uni or move out of home, uh, your family situation changes, you move to a new place, uh, you get a pet, all, all of these kinds of things. Lots of different things happen in life that really make us think about agenda and schedule and priorities. And I think these, these big changes can be really good. They force us to ask questions, don't they? Like, what am I actually meant to be doing with my time? What are the essential things to do? What do I actually need to stop doing because of this change? What do I need to uh, empower others to do or get help with and so on? The thing that 1 Thessalonians 1 helps us to see is that becoming a Christian is one of those massive life changes. Perhaps the greatest life change that anyone can go through and that's because becoming a Christian means getting a new job because you have a new boss. In verse 9, we read, For they themselves report what kind of reception you gave us. They tell how you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead. You see, a Christian is someone who has a new job, a new privilege, a new responsibility, however you want to look at it, of serving the living and true God while we wait for the return of our Master, the Lord Jesus Christ. That kind of puts things in perspective, doesn't it? No matter what kind of uh, big change in life we we might face, things like a a change at work or um, a, a change in life stage or anything like that, this kind of puts it in perspective, doesn't it? There really is no higher calling or greater privilege than to be chosen by God, verse 4, and to be someone who is called to serve Him. Like, that's amazing. None of us deserve that, but it's what God loves doing, calling people to turn from idolatry and worthless ways of living to serve Him, the living and true God. 
And as you'd expect, that kind of role change or new job comes with a whole new agenda and priorities. It's what Paul recognises in his prayer and thanks God for. He, he re- recognises that they now have a new way of working. Their work is now work produced by faith. They labour differently or to different ends. It's labour prompted by love. And they go on in their service of God, inspired by their hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. They don't all become missionaries or pastors like Paul. In fact, I suspect not many of them did. Many of them presumably keep doing what they were doing during the week before that gospel came and turned their lives upside down. But everything they do now is done differently. They, in verse 6, have become imitators of Paul and his friends Silas and Timothy and of the Lord, and they have become a model for others in their region to imitate, and as the message of the gospel rings out from their little community, to be known everywhere, according to verse 8. So, the opportunity for all of us this morning is to consider how aligned our lives are to the boss's priorities and agenda. How am I meant to be using my time and resources? What am I meant to be doing? Or what do I need to stop doing? And so on. Those kinds of questions. And to do that, let's dig further in to see what God's agenda is. Um, So God's agenda as seen in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. The picture we get in this chapter, uh, this is how I'm trying to summarise it and and capture the the overall teaching here and the focus uh, we want to have this morning. The picture we get in this chapter is that God really cares to see his word and gospel go out and impact lives. God really cares to see his word and gospel go out and impact lives. This is what Paul celebrates and thanks God for, and it is the particular thing that he commends the Thessalonians for being involved in themselves. It's just threaded through the whole chapter. Now, if that's right, if that's God's agenda in this moment of history, the time between Jesus' resurrection and his return, then That is so helpful for us to know as we go about organising our own lives and priorities. One way uh, we can think about this is to ask, how can we have an effective working relationship with God the boss? Um, If God is the boss and we have this privilege of serving him, then like all great working relationships, we need two things. We need to know where the boss is leading What is God trying to achieve? And secondly, how do we helpfully contribute towards making that project a success? What are we meant to do as part of the team, if you want to think of it that way? Uh, Where the boss is leading, uh, that's quite straightforward. That's what we've been talking about already. Uh, But the second question, how do we effectively contribute and play our part in God's great project? Well, I want to suggest two things. Firstly, we call upon God to do the things that only He can do. Uh, We rely on God to do the things that He does and and can only do. And in the passage, we see that uh, He does all of the amazing and impossible things. And we'll talk about those in uh, in a moment. And secondly, uh, we joyfully participate in the things which He's invited us to be part of alongside that. So firstly, God is key because He does all the amazing and impossible things. Lots of examples from this passage. Uh, First would be that he chooses to make us part of his family. 
We can't just muscle our way in. To be part of God's family requires an invitation, but Paul celebrates that God has done just that in verse 4. Just as God has chosen Paul and called him to, to new life in Jesus, so these Thessalonians have become brothers and sisters to Paul because God has chosen them. And so, Paul directs his thanks to whom it belongs in verse 2, we always thank God for all of you. The proof of God's choice is that the Word of God and the Gospel has taken deep root in their lives and is, in fact, moved them from death to life, from idolatry to serving the living and true God. This, too, is a miraculous work of God by His Holy Spirit. We read in verse 5, the Gospel comes to them not just with words, but with power, the Holy Spirit and deep conviction. These are probably not meant as individual things on a list or a process, but rather the same thing said in different ways. That is, the Word came into their lives with Holy Spirit power and the deep conviction that only God's Spirit can work. And of course, all of this work of the Holy Spirit and Gospel focuses us and centres us us on God, the Son, who is our hope, in verse 3, and in verse 10, is the one who rescues us, from the coming wrath. These are all things that only God can do and which He loves doing. But note also that we are not unimportant by God's grace. There are many ways in which God graciously uses and encourages our participation in His work of seeing His Word and Gospel go out and impact and change lives. In verse 5, we see how God brings the gospel to the Thessalonians through Paul and his friends, through other humans. They bring the gospel to this part of Greece and the Spirit takes the gospel message and turns the Thessalonians' world upside down as a result. Then, the Thessalonians themselves become a proclaiming community. In verse 8, the Lord's message rang out from you. To the surrounding regions of Macedonia and Achaia. And God is so kind and in making their efforts fruitful and that their gospel sharing is actually talked about and heard about everywhere. Your faith in God has become known everywhere, Paul says at the end of verse 8. Now, we're not given a huge amount of detail about how that happened exactly. Um, Perhaps some of them did become missionaries or church planters like Paul, Silas and Timothy, but I suspect It was really just that many of the Thessalonians became enthusiastic sharers of the gospel in their neighbourhoods, in their workplaces, in their travels to different regions during their holidays and with their friends. Our culture might prefer us to keep faith as a private matter, but we see here that that is not key to God's agenda. It's a good thing when people everywhere know about our faith in God. Ideally, not because we're being annoying or self-righteous or there's some controversy. Sometimes God can even use those things, but ideally because the living and true God has rescued us and loved us and that is being made known. The great generosity and mercy of our God is being made known all over the place. We also see the importance of a human response in verse 9, that response of turning to God from idols. 
It's such a great picture of what repentance is. The word repentance, it literally means turning around, turning from one way and heading in the opposite direction. Their lives are now oriented towards God and His service. That human response is something the Thessalonians engage in and it's something we call upon others uh, to do as well, to turn from uh, one way of living towards serving the living and true God. But they also become models. In verse 7 we read, they become models of a life lived in service to God. Uh, That human activity is so important in seeing God's Word and His Gospel changing lives because it helps people to see what the truth looks like in practice. We don't want to be people who just know academically that Jesus is Lord and that He rescued us from the coming wrath. Like You can know lots of facts by reading 1 Thessalonians 1, but actually what Paul is excited about and commends the Thessalonians for is that they live lives which fit with the truth. In many ways, which is captured in Paul's prayer, that life of faith, love and hope because of who God is and what He's done. Uh, Now, at this point, I want to give one of your own congregation members a chance to be a model in in every sense of the word, and so I'm going to invite uh, Ben up. You've changed sides. There you go. Okay, welcome. Come up, Ben. (laughs) Um, uh, Just to ask a a few questions of you, sort of related to what we've been talking about today. Ben, you um, were part of ES a number of years ago now, and... um, I wondered if you'd just reflect back on your time a little bit um, in terms of a highlight or just something that really stands out to you from from your time at uni. Yeah, thanks, Ruben. Uh, I'm not sure how I feel about being held up as a model uh, at this point. Just go with it. Run run with it. Thank you. Thanks, Ruben. (laughs) Uh, I guess there are probably three points that I'd like to make uh, from my recollections of my time at uni and beyond. The first is that, I guess, the training at ES was fantastic. As Ruben has just reminded us, uh, you've got to know what the boss wants in order to be able to serve him. And at ES, uh, many of the students, when I was there at least, came in uh, not having come from context where they were immersed in the gospel and immersed in the Bible. And ES was, you know, fundamental in shaping many students, including myself, in grasping the gospel solidly and also being trained up effectively. Uh, and the evidence of that for me is that I've got three points today. Uh, that, was one thing, that was one thing Jeff always emphasised with speaking. Uh, so first point, uh, the training was fantastic. Uh, second point, you got to practice evangelism on the ground. Uh, one of the things that I was involved in a lot when I was at ES was the O-Week team. Uh, that's the first week of the uni year, uh, which is where there are lots of new students. It's often people's first taste of uni. And I had the opportunity to be involved in the organising team for, for that. Uh, I can remember one year where we picked a theme of, you know, who do you trust? And our goal there was to try and create as many opportunities as we can and make it as easy as possible for all the Christians within ES Uh, to chat to their friends and complete strangers about Jesus. And the idea was that they would ask, it would create a theme, a conversation around who they trusted. And inevitably, people talked about their family and friends. And it opened doors for those Christians to be able to say why they trusted Jesus and why that was the thing that was foundational in their lives. And it was a great joy to be able to see both 
the Christians mobilised to do that and many people who in my, you know, teenage or young 20s uh, might have prejudged as being uh, not particularly good at those sort of things, just getting out of their shell and doing it much better than I did. Uh, third point is that I think since I've left uni, I've seen the multiplier effect of groups like ES. Uh, so I'm currently on the board of CMS, which is the Church Missionary Society, who were profiled last week. And reflecting on my time there, uh, the last two missionary units that we've sent, uh, Christy and Malcolm and Aisley, uh, came through ES. And it was fundamental in shaping them. Uh, and I think when I reflect on the other uh, gospel workers, both past and present, that we've had come through uh, CMS and work globally, many of them have benefited from ES as well. And I think ES has played an enormous role for me and for other people, uh, both in local mission and in global mission. And, you know, I think that's been fantastic. Wonderful. Okay. Thanks. That's great to get, yeah, some of your insights. And you've, I think you've almost answered my second question already, but just in case you want to say anything else, um, just how has God been growing you in confidence and love for sharing the gospel with other people? I'm um, sort of reflecting on this idea of, yeah, being, being sort of part of a... a, a, a um, a proclaiming community? Yeah. Mm. Uh, it might be sort of those same things and that's all right, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so definitely, I, when I was at ES, I had the opportunity to uh, do walk-up evangelism. Uh, I learned basic gospel frameworks and different techniques for doing that. Uh, and I also had the opportunity uh, to help others think about how they could do that carefully. Mm. Uh, so... You know, things like uh, Two Ways to Live is a simple framework that I got taught uh, when I was at ES. And, I've, and I remember being specifically trained in many of those things, both uh, through the day-to-day -day training and mentoring from uh, the ES staff and also the various camps and conferences, which if you are a student, I'd fully recommend you get involved in things like the mid-year conference and also the upcoming our sort of NTE conference. I think the, the strand groups at that conference are just world-class and you get an enormous amount out of them, as I did. Thanks so much, Ben. Um, can, we, can we thank Ben? Thanks, Ruben. Thank you. Um, <clears throat> uh, I just wanted you to give, yeah, to have a chance to hear uh, from someone else in terms of modelling, and that's actually what I want to encourage all of us to do as well, because Ben's not unique in the way he can talk about that question in terms of how is God growing us in confidence or love for sharing the gospel with other people. Maybe you don't feel very confident, but you can, you can um, talk with someone else about, like, what's some ideas about how I could grow in that area? Um, love and confidence in, in um, sharing the gospel with other people, uh, coming out of what we've been talking about here in 1 Thessalonians. Okay, lastly, implications for us, just as we try and um, bring things together and wrap them up briefly. Um, so having seen and been reminded of God's agenda, to see his word and gospel go out and impact lives, having thought about what it can be for us to have an effective working relationship with God as we live in his service, um, what are some of the implications? Two very brief thoughts. Firstly, I think we can take our lead from Paul and give thanks for the way our church's agenda lines up with God's. I love how positive Paul is about the Thessalonian church and how it drives him to thankful prayer. Um, that's the third, first thing that jumps out to me. I wish I could have more of that impulse in myself. 
I wish I could say that I continually mention my own church community in my prayers, let alone all the other churches that I am thankful for, like you. Uh, I do, but I wish I could just have more of that, I guess, enthusiasm and excitement that just seems to ooze from Paul. It's just wonderful, isn't it? Um, But there is an encouragement for all of us, I think, because there are many ways in which these good things are happening right here uh, in Trinity Church, Adelaide, 1030. Uh, There is work produced by faith, labour prompted by love and endurance inspired by hope in Jesus. This is a community where the gospel message is ringing out in many ways and you are modelling to each other what it looks like to serve the living and true God. There are always ways, of course, we can be growing in these good things and doing better. I, I look forward to hearing of the ways your faith in God is becoming known all over Adelaide and beyond. But I think an initial application here is for us to follow Paul's lead and give thanks for the many ways in which the agenda of this church is aligning with God's agenda. Um, So that's one possible response or implication. And secondly, um, I want to encourage all of us to work out, to be working out how can we maximise the ways we partner in the gospel ringing out. Uh, In all likelihood, uh, a few of us may spend uh, most or all of our time like the Pauls or Silas or Timothys of the world, Uh, and spend lots and lots of our time just uh, uh, being part of the gospel message going out in that particular way, Um, that would have been the same for the Thessalonian church. Some, but not all of them, will have done that, but what we see is that the message of the gospel rang out from them in an amazing way. It tells us that we don't all need to be the full-time pastors or evangelists. We just need to be willing to be engaged and playing our part in the gospel going out, and we all do have a part to play. That could be as we share about Jesus with others in our school or uni or work or family, neighbourhood or friendship contexts. But I also want us to think bigger, bigger than just what sharing can we be doing ourselves. Think bigger about what God is doing in places that you aren't, um, but that are important to you. There's always been a strong commitment from Christian communities throughout the ages to partner with what God is doing in places beyond our own lives and our own church communities. Christians have always loved sending missionaries and others who, uh, who will be part of this great work of God uh, as His Word and His Gospel goes out and impacts lives. Um, they've done that through partnering in prayer and finances to make that possible. Um, So there are obviously so many ways in which you could do this. My encouragement is just to find one or a few that are fruitful and meaningful to you. Ones that you will care to pray for, as well as give as you might be able to. Be a part of God's Word and Gospel going out and impacting lives across a region or even the world or in a particular um, demographic, I suppose, as, um, as we've been encouraged this morning to think about university ministry. So I want to commend that, but there are obviously so many uh, uh, ways that you could be part of seeing God's gospel ringing out uh, through partnership with others um, who you're able to partner with and send. Okay, so there's some thoughts as we finish. Thankful prayer, uh, being sharers of God's word and gospel ourselves, as, always, as well as thinking bigger and working out how could we partner um, through what others are doing in different places. So with all that in mind, uh, let me lead us in prayer.
Our Heavenly Father, we thank you, uh, firstly, just for your great mercy and kindness, uh, for the way the gospel has come to us and uh, given us that invitation into your family, for the way that it has turned our lives upside down. Uh, for those of us who know Jesus as Lord, for the way that it, is, it has called us from uh, one way of living towards serving you, the living and true God. Uh, we thank you for your Holy Spirit who has taken your word and, and brought it deep into our lives uh, with great conviction, made us models to others and given us the great privilege of being sharers of your word with others. Please help us individually as a community as well uh, to be uh, proclaimers of your word, to, to be joyful and enthusiastic about sharing what you have done in our lives with others so that they may enjoy these same things with us. Uh, help us to uh, not just think of ourselves, but to also think bigger and broader and wider because we know you are a God of this whole world um, who loves to call people into relationship with yourself. So we thank you for this and ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen.